This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Five bucks a month to get a bonus episode. You get no ads whenever we have ads. And let me give a shout out to some of our more recent supporters. They include Rick V, Blaine R, Merle P. And now we get into the section where people just write whatever the hell name they want. Uh-oh. Nutrageous Amy. Lerp McDerp, McPurple, <laughs> Social Papaya, uh, Alan W, <laughs> Angel W, Alan w. <laughs> Call Me Zan, all right, Zan, all right, Drew, Zan. Tiff B, Adele D, thank you so much for your support, was and that, for that, all of you who make me say your names. Kurt McGurp? Sure. Uh, I don't know if that person listens to Baby Geniuses, but they just did a whole thing about that weird, <laughs> a weird name similar. Okay. Uh, there's Thank a Discord server for those oh, yeah. who want that. That's in the show notes. This is on YouTube. You can go there. Uh, we're recording in a new place today for yeah. weirdly. Is the sound quality different? Um, I'm sure it's not. Before we move forward, reminder, if you are in the New York area or the tri-state area, I believe, as the uh, the kids call it, um, I am going to be at the Hinterlands Bar in Brooklyn, New York City, New York State, United States of America, <laughs> Earth. Um I think it's going to start at like 7.30. I might be a little bit late depending on when my friend, uh, 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 pending flight information, but um, I will be there for, uh, once I get there, I'll probably be there till uh, the rest of the night, and I'm excited to see people. It's going to be like me and some friends from my high school and a couple of like my internet friends who I've never met and a couple of podcast listeners. This sounds like my nightmare. It's going to be weird. Um, Not because I don't want to see like old friends, but yes, because different clicks in one is oh, it's unpleasant. A, it's a real tight wire act. I am going to be, uh, I mean, true. I, where was I? When I was in Denver, I said the same thing of like, I'm about to talk to my friend who I haven't talked to in like 15 years. So if you want to talk to me about the podcast, just interrupt me. Cause otherwise I'm just going to be like in the quarter with my friend. I think, I think it's going to be a similar thing. Anyway, I, I, uh, am looking forward to it. Hoping to see everyone. It's been a shitty year so far. So let's, uh, let's have a good time. Let's be once. shitty together. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let me start with this story that uh, was taking off on Twitter. I've heard some really interesting responses from people to this. Um, my my uh, weird, one of many weird things that I do is watching fundamentalist Christian sermons. You really do, um, dude. It's all I do. Can now. you tell me the context? Like, do you have it on TV while you're working on your laptop? Is it like what you and the kids watch every Sunday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> me and the kids watch it together. Uh-huh. And, and now like, they're scary. <laughs> and you're like, see the man? <laughs> see the yelling man? He I, loves you. <laughs> I have a method, but it really is is like a how fast can I get through this? I mean, depending on the person, depending on the sermon title, mm-hmm. some of them deserve closer inspection than others. Mm-hmm. But man, they they never let me down. And they know I'm watching. And sometimes they do special shout outs to me. Fuck off, really? Because they know I'm there. By name or do they um, say the A word? Well, they can't say my name. Well, cause... <laughs> I guess that's a strong point. <laughs> so they go with A to the atheist on Twitter or whatever it is. Um... But this one comes from... From uh, hate preacher Dylan Oz, A-W-E-S, of, uh, he was, I guess, guest preaching, I think, at Steadfast Baptist Church, which is in Hearst, Texas. But basically, here's the thing about these new independent fundamentalist Baptist churches. They have small congregations, but they don't care. 
because they're like, if I'm preaching to like 12 people in my congregation, that's yeah. one thing. We love Jesus, sure. But you know what's really important? Spreading it on social media because the social media companies will help amplify our message. Mm -hmm. And they make the pitch to their supporters that, like, this is the way to spread the gospel. We are yep. spreading Jesus in an effective way that a lot of churches haven't figured out. And also driving donations. And I'm sure driving donations. But also they spread a lot of hate speech. Mm -hmm. And they know that that's what gets them attention. attention. And the problem, like, the weird thing about that is, like, what's the right thing to do about those hate preachers? Is it showing people the horrible shit they're saying or pretending they don't exist. And it's a conversation people had with Westboro Baptist Church. Sure. I'm of the impression that you need to see what these people are saying. I agree. Because they're doing it whether or not you like it. I, can I caveat? Yeah. Um, w w agree. They're doing it whether or not you like it. I think there is also a little more, I don't know if leniency is the right word, but in regard to like how uh, much momentum the things they are preaching have, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So like when they're talking about like, uh, trans people are just men dresses that is really insidious because tra the trans community is constantly under attack but sometimes they do like sort of rambly things about like demons are doing this and it's like okay well that's this is not like a thing i need to worry about like you're just sort of talking in abstract instead of talking about like protecting our girls or whatever that dog whistle bullshit is so but yeah, I agree. We and should Pride hear. Month is their favorite month of the year for obvious reasons. Oh, Pride Month. Um, <laughs> so tricky. And also, like, sometimes when they get called out on this stuff, like the most infamous new IFB preacher is this guy, Steven Anderson. And enough people, and I would like to think I played a small role in this, but enough people started sharing his worst messages mm -hmm. That YouTube actually did take action. They not only shut down his main channel, he asked all of his followers to set up uh, alternative accounts mm -hmm. to use their channels to amplify his message. Cool. And YouTube shut down all those channels. <laughs> like, he's really kind of hard to find because it's a game of whack-a-mole. But at some point, the algorithm stops him and he doesn't, he's not really able to get it back up. Okay. Which, that's kind of the point. you got to shut these people down. They can preach their hate speech, mm -hmm. but the companies like YouTube do not have to help them. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out YouTube helps his other colleagues, and that's kind of where I watch a lot of these messages. So last Sunday, uh, the first Sunday of June in mm -hmm. Pride Month, this particular hate preacher, Dylan Oz, he just does away with the uh, gay people are fine, but it's gay hey. people who act on it who are the problem. That's the evangelical position. Yeah, and in general, the hate the sinner, excuse me, yes. love the sinner, love hate the sinner, sin. Hate the sin. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's another reason I like, I, I think it's important, like is the wrong word. I think it's important to amplify this stuff that they're saying so people understand what they're saying. Right. Because the sensible thing is for Christians who say, what? How dare you do that in the name of my faith? Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting everyone to, like, call out every single instance of this. But if they say, I'm not going to talk about political issues, take mm -hmm. the Joel Osteen method of, I am going to avoid it. Mm -hmm. You're not helping. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the churches, evangel white evangelical churches, Southern Baptist ones, all things like that, they echo a lot of the same stuff. They won't go as far as these crazy people do, but they spread anti-LGBTQ messaging too. 
So it's like, you may say this doesn't represent true Christianity. Mm. Well, what does your church teach about this stuff? Because if you're not fully in support of LGBTQ rights, I'm going to assume you're like 90% of the way that these oh, guys yeah. are. Well, you love to see somebody be outraged by like the language somebody used, but they agree with the fundamental uh, idea behind it. Right. It. Yeah. So they're not that mad about so it. So anyway, back to what Dylan Oz said. Oh, boy. There's a lot of things he said, but this is the one that has uh Currently had, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of views on Twitter anyway. Um, Speaking of gay people, here's what he said, quote, these people should be put to death. Every (gasps) single homosexual in our country should be charged with the crime, the abomination of homosexuality that they have. They should be convicted in a lawful trial. Then they should be sentenced with death. They should be lined up against the wall. And I'm going to paraphrase here, executed. What did he say? Uh, eh, shot in the back of the head is what he said. Uh, that's what God teaches. That's what the Bible says. You don't like it? Did you God don't talk- like God's word. Because God did was very a lot about specific. Guns? Yeah. Um, God spoke about AR-15s. Yeah, like, that's many, his many favorite one. God wants you to know it's not technically an assault rifle. Yeah. Later on, the same preacher called every single gay person a uh, pedo. And he said, it's Hmm. not because they've done the crime with the kid. Uh, Quote, it could be that they haven't had the opportunity yet, and they will at some point later in their life. That's why Hmm. we need to execute them. This is what he's saying as his Pride Month, first Pride Month sermon. Um, And again, I'm not expecting every Christian to, like, go out of their way to say, like, well, that man doesn't. Hey, I am. Even though. Hey, I absolutely am. Even though they all make, say, like, well, Muslims, what are you doing about this extremist? Listen, who loves to call out white people more than me? Well, you. (laughs) But who else loves to call out white people? Me, Like, we, while we are doing the job of, like, you know, shedding light on two things that may otherwise go unnoticed, I think we also carry something of responsibility to like clean up our own houses, Mm -hmm. whether that's the white people house or the atheism house or whatever. And so like, if I see somebody doing something garbage in the name of science, like we, we see it all the time, pseudoscience. Absolutely. Like I'm not a scientist, but absolutely we're going to call that out. Like, and so if I am a Christian person whose goal is to spread the word of Jesus and love thy neighbor and uh, hang out with sex workers or whatever he did, if I see that, I, I think that is fair game to be like, go get your boys. Fucking, what happened after September 11th, Hammett? <laughs> like, <laughs> let me tell you about being a brown person. Yeah. Like, let me, but, so here's, let me rephrase what I said then. I don't expect them to address every single awful mm. thing because there's a steady fire stream of that stuff. Yeah. I do expect them to say, of course we support LGBTQ people. Here's yeah. how we're doing that. Give me that blanket Here are five statement. concrete ways that yeah. we are making the lives better for LGBTQ um, people. And just to be clear, like, all these preachers, they all say shit like this. Oh. Very rarely do they go as far as this guy did as bluntly as he did. But hmm. the thing he says elsewhere in the sermon and stuff is like, I'm not saying we should do it. I'm saying if the government followed its principles as the Bible commands, then the government would pull the trigger. That's the way they get around I have a saying we're you. not calling for it. Yeah. Uh, really intru- cuz i was kind of about to go down like a rabbit hole of like what does he th- what does this look like in his head is it like is it like oh i made out with a girl in college do i have to be fucking executed or is it, or is it if like if you're not ashamed of yourself yes according to him 
Okay. So he, so it's, okay. So it's just going to be a real classic, like, roundup style. Yeah, not, he says, like, go through a lawful trial. Yeah. I'm not really sure what the charge is. Like a lawful trial. Well, this guy likes Broadway. I guess he's guilty. Like, what do you want them to convict you of? Yeah. The gay? It's not a binary thing that you're either like totally straight or totally Did gay. Just pass up? Did the you Kinsey say he likes scale, Broadway? <laughs> I don't know. The Kinsey scale goes from like one to two in their minds, and it's that's it. There's <laughs> nothing in between. I have a very funny Kinsey scale, <laughs> Kinsey scale scale story for the bonus episode. Okay, boy, my mouth doesn't work. <laughs> By the way, and here's the thing. But he's explicitly saying, "I am not telling you." to do anything violent. I'm just saying in an ideal world, that's what the government would do. Except when a preacher sends this message in Texas to a gun-loving, gay-hating group of individuals, Mm -hmm. they're very much saying everything they say with the implied wink. Sure. That's what I'm scared... What's it called? Like the stochastic terrorism sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not doing it, but I'm giving you the groundwork, so Mm -hmm. maybe one of you... Wouldn't it be a shame if somebody found this and then Mm -hmm. did that with this information? Not me, but someone. The preacher Jonathan (laughs) Shelley, who's the normal pastor preacher at this particular church oh it's the same church uh, same church last year that same preacher celebrated the death of a gay man at a pride parade (gasps) fuck Uh, he has repeatedly wished for and called for the death of gay people like this one um and two weeks ago and actually again i think this week he appeared, Jonathan Shelley did, appeared at a meeting of the Arlington, Texas City Council mm. because they have a public comment section that is open to anyone. Uh-oh. And they've decided, you know what, you guys? That's on video, too. Let's just show up. And during our three minutes of time, let's just preach the Bible, by which they mean let's talk about how horrible yeah, how much gay, we people hate gay people are. And there's nothing the council can do about it because it's really a one-way flow of information at that point. So it's not up for debate it's so last couple of weeks ago, a bunch of those new IFB preachers went there and said their stuff. And like the audience is like, what the hell is going on here? But he did it again this week. Unless they change the rules, they're going to keep doing that. Okay. Um, cool, guys. Wow. Neat, I will say. Neat victory. I'm YouTube, glad everybody's saved now. YouTube did take down the video in question of Dylan Oz saying this horrible stuff. But guess what? There's already uh, a pop-up elsewhere. And the church's channel, the main channel that they use for mm-hmm. Stead, that's still up too. So, like, what, what are they did waiting Did anybody for? from the church denounce him in any clear terms? Oh, no, no. They were rooting him on as he was saying okay. all this stuff. So when you say there's a normal guy, you just mean he doesn't yell the quiet parts into oh, a I'm microphone. Sorry. When I say the normal guy, uh-huh. I mean the guy who usually preaches at this church oh. who is also insane. Got you, got you, yeah. got you, got you, got you. Wow, <sighs> this is terrible. Everything's Worst bad. Pride Month sermon ever. Oh, uh, here's okay. I'm gonna. Oh, we're shift both gonna be gears. out of town for uh, Aurora Pride, Hammett. Oh no, we were planning going together. Gonna You're say. gonna wear your favorite rainbow bikini top. Yep. Yep. Big hat, nice and sunglasses. I was going to say, whenever I think we're in Illinois, every time I hear Aurora now, it's the black Republican guy 
running as a MAGA cultist My. to be governor of Illinois, <laughs> who refuses to answer any question ever. And someone taught him. You mean him, our governor, Richard, <laughs> our mayor, Richard Irving? Irvin? Yeah, Irvin. Irvin. And every time he gets asked any question, like, well, you supported Democrats. Like, we we have a picture of you shaking hands with the Democratic governor when yeah. he gave you money for your city. And every time his response is, that's just the game Democrats want you to play. It's like, that's some version of that is his stock response to every it's like marco rubio where he says the same sentence oh, over yeah. and over oh that's because he's so not f- smart enough to think of new stuff the compilations of those are very oh funny i was uh anyway i was, I was uh, not uh, booing the pride parade i was booing aurora, oh, aurora as a reason. city that's fine yes um <laughs> i was at um a bar the other night and somebody was asking me about richard urban and she was like Oh, he's black. Is he good? And I was like, Oh, he is. <laughs> he is not good. And as I said that, and there was no um, sound on the TV, but it was just like his face, and then it popped up over it. No handouts. And I was like, Does that? Is that all you need to know? No handouts is his main campaign slogan. Mm-hmm. That's a meaningless statement that only assholes make. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gonna jump him. to this other story. Uh, a woman named Heather Fletcher, she is a candidate in Maryland for the Frederick County Board of Education, wants to be on the school board. Mm-hmm. She's a conservative running to be on their school board. Mm. And really good intentions of helping people? Of course not. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Okay. She, uh, she visited the Brunswick Public Library recently in that community. Um, she saw that they had a display up for Pride Month uh, oh, of LGBTQ-themed books. And guess what she did? Um, burned it down. Close. Okay, what'd she do? She swiped them all and said, hello, library. I'd like to check all these out. I'm not stealing them. I'm checking them all out. And the library's off like... Off the display? Off the display. Because those are the only books they have are the well, ones yes. they display. That's how libraries do. <laughs> so the library's like, yeah, I mean, you could check out whatever you want. But really, the reason right. she's doing it is so no one else can have them. Yeah. But of course, there are other copies yeah. of the books. There are other good news. Libraries have a lot of one thing in its books. There are also <laughs> other LGBTQ themes and characters in other books that are not on the display. Because guess what? LGBTQ people are human, and humans appear in books. <laughs> um, and then she also swiped a cup that had pins with different pronouns on them. Oh. And so when the when the local paper asked her, like, so why are you doing this? Here's from the news article. Fletcher said she was disturbed by the display and worried it would prompt age inappropriate questions from young children. She said she didn't want her three children to see the word queer on a book and that she removed the items after trying unsuccessfully to convince the staff to remove the books out of the main lobby area. This has nothing to do with the gay community, Fletcher said. It has to do with the preservation of innocence. Okay, so um, I love when they do this. I love this kind of thing of like, it's not about gay people. I'm not a bigot. I'm not a bigot. It's not like I don't like gay people. I just think it's inappropriate for children to be thinking about sex before they're ready. Meanwhile, my fucking two-month-old nephew, people are like, oh, what a flirt he is. <laughs> like, Let's send him to Sunday school and teach him about lot, like... I mean, <laughs> boy, oh boy. His like, daughter's raping him. I don't know. Those stories. Like, the Sunday school is way worse than these books. These are not books on display that are just 
like book versions of porn. These are not like they're what, called romance novels. Have some fucking respect. I'm <laughs> right are, here. These are not books like telling kids here are the right sex positions. Let me tell you what some of the books are about. It's LGBTQ history before Stonewall. <gasps> it's the history of LGBT music. There's a biography written by uh, Jonathan Van Ness. <laughs> so she thought she could take these 20 books uh-huh. or so and that it would block kids from, I don't know. I guess she hasn't heard of ebooks. I guess she hasn't heard of other copies of books. Okay, back in my day, yeah. you could only uh, check out six books at a time, <laughs> uh, which was a ceiling I hit a lot. Actually, I wonder if just my mom would let me check out more now in hindsight. <laughs> my favorite part of this oh, story. Oh, no, my whole childhood is a lie. I read so much. <laughs> my mom was like, she needs to look at people sometimes. I want, I used to read so many, like, Peanuts comic strips and like other comics. Garfield for me. So I would check out like stacks of those books. And literally one time a librarian stopped me and got mad because she saw me all the time getting those books and said, get some real books and literally put copies of better books in my hand. I never read them. Oh, I was. Um, But I'm like, why is she yelling at me for reading? Oh, my God. My mom used to complain about how kids would do that with anime. Because that (laughs) was like when we were in high school, that was sort of like, she's like, these kids will come and like, they're so mad about things they don't understand in ways that are baffling to me. Why are you reading this weird thing I've never heard of? Read a different thing. (laughs) That'll show the kids. Yeah, that'll show. Make sure you're only reading by male offers about white protagonists. Otherwise, you'll be confused. The irony of her stupid little story stunt here is that how do you think libraries know how many books how many copies of books to order (laughs) it's based on how many times they they make a prediction but it's how many times they get checked out (laughs) so basically every book she took is now a little more popular and maybe the library thinks so funny so on facebook after all these news articles it's like a child's way of handling a situation like that of like oh i don't want to eat chicken fingers so i'm gonna hide the chicken fingers so nobody can like No, you can't just, like, you have object permanence, right? You're aware that there are things that you cannot see immediately in front of you, right? Like, you had to know that taking the display books down was a nothing burger of an... These people have so much more time than sense. It's almost astounding. I thought they were all about, like, their kids' lives, but they're all around here, like, fucking... Tearing up libraries? This is how dumb Heather Fletcher is. First of all, she posted on Facebook a couple days ago trying to explain herself. Sure. Um, And she says... If you can hear her side of the story. (laughs) And her side of the story is horrible. I did the same thing. She's like, you know, I don't want kids to see things they're not mature enough to handle. Her oldest kid is 10. Like... If a kid has to live with a homophobic mother, you're allowed to know what she's a bigot about. So Just like if you're raising a child of color and like, well, we can't tell them about race in school. <laughs> the kid's experiencing racism. They're allowed to understand how race works. It just shows what pe- which uh, children people are protecting and those <laughs> children aren't the white ones. Yeah. Uh, she didn't stop there either. She <clears throat> recently attended a library board of trustees meeting where she complained, like, how dare you use taxpayer dollars to buy these pronoun pins? And of course, the library spokesperson later said to the media, they're not public funds. Uh, we have like volunteer nonprofit groups that support the work we do. Yeah. Usually they're the ones who put that stuff together. So basically, Wait, you're someone, saying she didn't do research either? None. Huh. I, I know. She could have checked out a friggin' book. 
someone who can't handle LGBTQ anything right. wants to make decisions for a large public school system with plenty of LGBTQ students. And her whole campaign is premised on this idea that parents deserve rights. Parents need to know what's happening. But she wants to remove that choice from parents who are not horrible people. Uh, By the way, I forgot the best part. Why did you do that? She has three kids. Uh She homeschools all of them. Obviously. And that's fine. I don't care about that. Why are you running for the school board when you actively do not care about public education? Because you don't even bother sending your kids there. You don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. I know that's not... It's like a man can't have an opinion about abortion. Yeah, sure he can. But like, why are you running for school board? Come on. You don't care about the public schools. Be a bigot in your bubble. Stay there. Yeah, because they want to quote unquote protect children from, I don't know, everybody except for the people who are actually doing the harm to children. So, you know, her her heart is in the wrong spot, but at least she's an idiot. (laughs) Uh, Okay, here's the story for you. So back in like 15 years ago when the I Sold My Soul on eBay stuff happened, way back when. Loki brags that he has a book. Here's why. So when they wrote that book. One of the things that happens when you write a book is that the publishers are like, hey, we're trying to um, we're trying to sell this book. One way to do it is we want you to check out other books that are in a similar vein as yours. And maybe you can write a blurb pushing their book. Sure. Uh, and they'll do the same yeah, for absolutely. you. Right. Like because that beginning first few pages of all yeah. those books are like, yes, you should all read this. Book. A little kind of. Yeah. And the weird thing is because I, because I had a Christian publisher for I Sold My Soul on eBay. They're like, well, I did not know that. Yeah. You can't blurb like a pastor's book who's trying to sell Jesus. That's not going to work for anybody. But well, I don't believe what Pastor Johnson <laughs> said. I believe he's pretty eloquent, if not floral. Yeah. Heaven so, meadow. <laughs> so what they did is they said stars. at the time there was a really popular author named Rob Bell who was like the cool kids pastor and he's writing books trying to reach people who are just fed up with organized religion and like church as they knew it. And the publisher I worked for, did they didn't, I don't know if they published his book, but they published a lot of books by pastors who were trying to reach people who are just sick of church. Oh, you mean the pastors who sit backwards in their chairs yes, and yes. play acoustic guitar Skinny and say, jeans and you, all know who, <laughs> you know who loved sandals and long hair? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I got so many of those books and they're like, can like, we're not asking you to support the Jesus stuff, but they're trying to reach out to people. And sometimes, like they were saying, look, their criticism of church is valid sure. and true. I also don't like those things. And like in terms of trying to reach people who are just sick of it, mm-hmm. like it could be worse. Well, yeah, If it happened today, would I write blurbs for that stuff? No. Yeah. At it's... the time, it's like you're trying and I kind of appreciate it. Well, that. and also I think that was it. What was that? 2010? Six-ish. Six-ish. Six? Yeah, it's That's a while ago. That's before I even graduated college. I'm how, old. How old I'm were you? I'm 97 now. Well, you're like 23 and you wrote a book? Yeah, something like that. Jesus. Um, no, no, but what I was... <laughs> uh, go ahead. So, it doesn't matter. One of the books that they sent me was from this up-and-coming hipster pastor uh his name is bruxy Cavey, i think and he i know so interesting his whole thing is i wear a hat when i preach i'm a cool pastor and he was is he like a sneakers pastor is he yeah yeah kind of like a cool guy pastor with the beard and the long hair b-r-u-x-y don't look him up yet so (laughs) so they sent me the cool pastors book and Uh it was an interesting outreach of like basically him basically saying, 
the church that I run uh-huh. is not like those other churches. Uh-huh. It's a cool church. And here's the method I'm using. And honestly, I liked what he was going for. Sure. I remember writing a blurb for the book. It did appear in his book. And oh. I remember having, a you know, some small email exchanges with the dude after he's just like, hey, thank you for doing that. I yeah. appreciate it. It was fine. I mean, I think there's a point to be made here that like when we, you know, we do what we do and we're atheists and they're and they're Christians and all that. But like. In general, our problem, well, I shouldn't speak for you. My problem is not like that you believe in God. It's that you are leveraging this belief in God to either harm people or push your beliefs on other people. And in all of these books, they never really talked about the harm. This is one of the reasons I would never do this now unless I know more information. Because it's like, okay, you're running this cool kids church. Well, what do you say about gay people, trans people, whatever? If a kid comes in and says their dad is, is... you know, touching them inappropriately. Do you have a gay plan? Like these are the things I care about of like, okay, you're going to be like hanging with kids. Do you have a plan for like real shit that is going to come up? Because the church has a bad history of brushing that shit under Um, the rug. So I said he came out with that book in 2006. He was actually running his church in, um, I believe Ontario. Uh, Uh, He was doing that maybe for a decade before, but it was getting really big. I don't know if that was his first book or his second or what, but he, uh, the reason they sent it is they were trying to basically push this guy out into the world. Like Mm -hmm. he's super popular Um, or he's up and coming and he should be popular. Um, and actually, I should say his church, it's called the Meeting House uh, Church, has grown uh, like Christianity Today, I think, called him the, one of, if not the most influential, like one of the most influential pastors really? in Canada. Um, like he's I've big, never heard of him. Why would you? I mean, if I he's guess. not, if he's not crazy fundamentalist and he's not our Oh, uh, like, yeah, that's thing, fair. That's why fair. Would that you, makes right? sense. It's. Um, I kind of liken it to like musicians in other countries. Like they have the number one pop song in London. Like never heard it. Yeah, it's not for you. Don't worry totally. about it. Okay, got <laughs> like, it. It's not got your it, thing. It, it. It's fine. So anyway, the reason I bring him up specifically is because it turns out he's not all that different from all the other ones. Oh no! So, and your name is linked to him forever. Vaguely, no one has reached out no, to ask me about tainted. this guy, and I'm not pretending we had any sort of contact besides sure. our short interactions like a long time ago. But I was shocked when I heard that back in March they had heard allegations of sexual <gasps> misconduct against this guy. Uh-oh. Uh, I've heard this KV. song before. I know, right? So they got an uh, allegation, mm-hmm. and what we didn't know is, like, well, how serious is it? What's going to happen as a result? Um, and the church said, we're going to investigate. We're putting him on a leave of absence, uh-huh. and a third party is going to investigate the matter. And it's like, all right, I don't know how serious I should take this investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the third party investigator and the church released this information, said that he had a sexual relationship with a woman that contravened its rules. And the question is, well, what does that mean? Okay. Um, here's basically what they Contravene found. feels like a really technical term <laughs> that he used specifically. Right. Right? Um, and here's, I'm going to read from, this is from the CBC News. Um, what we found out is that when he was 46, the accuser was 23, legal age, that's not the issue, but the accuser said she was in crisis when they met. He was counseling her. Ah. That is a problem. So power dynamics. Power dynamic, and guess what? The power dynamic can be used as as a problem. (gasps) Now you're breaking the law. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I want to be. I, I actually want to clear about clear up that of the. Uh, there's a lot of places I've been uh, working with a friend on like some Title Nine stuff, 
I, I think it's worth noting that there are, uh, are some situations where it's not just the age or whatever. It, it, it has to do with the power dynamic. So when you're talking about like a, a therapist or a counselor or something like that, because they're inherently more powerful than their client, there if there is a sexual relationship there it is problematic so it's not oh she's 23 he's 46 which but whatever um it's more about the the power dynamics which are codified in a lot of places um so right after he was on that leave of absence Mm -hmm. the pastor uh this is back in march and he then resigned oh but doesn't mean you're going to jail for anything well this week uh june 7th tuesday he was arrested and charged with sexual assault in Ontario. I should say the Christianity Today article. Uh, he's Ontario's most influential pastor. Hmm. Uh, resigns following abuse investigation. That was from March. The update is that he was charged with sexual assault. They said he abused his power. He harassed a younger member of the congregation, according to that outside investigation. At least one other woman has come to the church with an allegation against him. Police say there may be additional victims. They've issued a statement saying there's no statute of limitations for sexual offenses. He's going to appear in court later this month. Um, All of this because he (sighs) allegedly because he abused his power with someone he was supposed to be counseling And what he called, by the way, he said, I'm taking a leave of absence, he said months ago, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I've sinned. I did an extramarital affair. He did not (laughs) call it abuse. That's what he called it. it. Yeah. I did an affair. I did an affair. Um, But yeah, basically the church said it's an abuse of authority and sexual harassment against a woman under his pastoral counsel. That's why we asked him to resign. That's why we removed his sermons from our website. Mm. Um, Hmm. Now, what that means for the See, church, is, I don't know. Okay, wait, but, wait, hold yeah, on. Yeah. Let's back up. They took his shit off their website? Yeah. Okay, so I guess that is a weird thing because that means, so now they no longer stand by him at all. No, the because church. Because of doing this. Um, one of the but other, they still technically believed in his sermons. They believed in what he was preaching. The Jesus stuff, yes. So, but what they're saying is, we don't want to go out of our way to endorse this man who we no longer stand behind. But, it, uh, as far as I can tell, they're okay, not trying to fair. cover right. up stuff. They're saying, we don't want to pretend we stand by You're him. Right. I am being there mean. There are plenty of other pastors. I'm being particularly unforgiving. Um, another pastor at that same church stepped down from the church in solidarity with the victim this week. <gasps> really? Yep. Honestly... I did not know how that sentence went in uh-huh. solidarity with with the victim. Who, who, with who, the victim, who, 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 it was very uh, nerve wracking for a second. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, Where is this again? This is Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, I do expect better from Ontario because they've had healthcare <laughs> their entire life, so their brains are intact. So I, I, I'm not. I have no dog in this fight. It's not a disappointment thing, mm. more so than like, yep, even the cool guys are just. I mean, we saw it with. Uh, the, the, uh, the, pa- the church in New York city, of course I'm forgetting the one Bieber attends. Oh yes. It's um, Hillsong, uh, uh, all of those pastors known for mm. promoting the hipster type of church thing, mm-hmm. like, and they're just scandal ridden everywhere. It's like, nope, they're all like this. They claim to be cool, and yet they have the same problems as everyone else. This might be bonus episode fodder, but do you have a strong opinion on like, power corrupts or those who get into powerful positions do so because they are inclined to do these kinds of things i mean like the phrase absolute power corrupts absolutely has been around since Mm -hmm. for since we have language Mm -hmm. basically 
So, I mean, I think there is truth to that. And I do think that, like, you get to a moment where nobody tells you no enough and you forget that's a thing. But I also think these people must be seeking these positions of power with the intention. Do you think? You don't like to speculate the way I do. Well, I, I can't. I don't of know course. this guy's story. No, not even And him. I don't just, know why anyone would. So I think some of them are in the position where they think they can just get away with it. But it's like, even if I, don't I thought that, I could get away with, like, murdering somebody, yeah. I wouldn't want to do it or molesting. Like, I wouldn't want to. It's not, for me, it's I a moral thing. I forgot which atheist said it. They're like, the accusation that if you didn't have God, you would be an immoral person, raping, looting, pillaging, whatever. Guess what? It's not the brag you think it is. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the phrase is like, well, I am raping and molesting all the people I want to. Ab- I'm doing all, I'm raping all the people I want to rape. Pen, uh, I'm Pendulette abusing all that. the people I want to abuse because the answer is zero. Um, I've heard it attributed to many other people. Oh, really? I don't know if I heard it from Pendulette. Okay. But in any case... Like, man, even this guy, the guy, oh, the book's name that I think is the one that I blurbed is called The End of Religion because he was part of that movement of Christians who are like, I hate religion, too. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, the spiritual. <laughs> I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Which, honestly, spirituality is fun. I like you're not really okay it, yeah don't go to church pitch. don't go to church every sunday and let some like 40 year old his, white dude tell you how to live your life be spiritual that was his walk pitch barefoot in the grass. and guess what it works just the same as all the churches do i have a story about walking barefoot through the grass which is going to be in the bonus episode <laughs> it is i'm going to tell you a story in the bonus episode that's going to sound like i made it up and i did not make it up okay um let me talk about amy coney barrett because Why? I don't want to. I, I hate her. I know. But somebody threatened to kill Brian Kavanaugh today and Brett uh, Kavanaugh. Brett yeah. Kavanaugh. Brian Kavanaugh is a guy I know. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh. And I know like I I heard d- Republicans complaining, like, oh, this is because the Democrats is like, no, they stopped the guy. Like, you want that, right? They got the protection they needed. Yeah. People are gonna say do crazy things. Um, and well, they, they should be stopped, and they were stopped. So, Remember like, when somebody thanks? mailed a bunch of bombs to a bunch of people, and nobody did anything about it. Mm, to the that? Democrats. Yeah, because it was all to Democrats. I don't know if nothing happened. I don't remember what how I that story I assume nothing ended. happened. Because anyway, Amy Coney Barrett. Here's why she was in the news this week. This is important because The Guardian got a lot of play from this. Here's the headline. The Guardian. Legal claims shed light on founder of faith group tied to Amy Coney Barrett. And the, she's the picture at the center of this article. And all the things I saw on social media are like, holy shit, this implicates Amy Coney Barrett. And it's like, all right, let's find out what this is all about. Then I read the article and I'm like, she comes out looking, excuse me, she comes out looking totally fine uh-huh. with all of this. And I'm like, this is, it strikes me as a hit piece and like a smear piece against her. Yeah, her and I'm picture like, there doesn't come feel on. great. I'm not a fan of her in any sort of way, but also this article is trying to link it to her. Here's the story because this is important. Yeah, fill me Here's in. the background you need to know. Okay. When she was getting uh, nominated to be on a federal bench at all, not just the Supreme Court, one That's of the like things a year that, ago. Yeah, like a year before she was on the Supreme Court. One of the things that she's came 24. up yeah, is that, okay, fine, she has an unusual pedigree in a good way for someone who's being nominated for this high position, which is that she didn't go to an Ivy League school. She went to Notre Dame, and I think she taught there too. That's interesting, and that's not a bad thing. But then one of the things that came up is mm, she belongs to a weird little Christian cult. Isn't that weird? And can we ask her Capital about Capital C this? cult or lowercase c cult? Lowercase c cult. Okay. Because... 
people just didn't know anything about the group. It's called sure. People of Praise. Mm. And it's like charismatic Christian, but also no one wanted to talk about it because like a lot of people were like how Republicans said, you can't ask her about her religion. It's off limits. Off limits. And Democrats were like, we can't ask her about religion. That's off limits. Of course, the problem is, and this is a legit question for anybody, mm -hmm. if you have a religious belief, uh, let's say you're Catholic, as are many of the justices on the court, like what happens when the law conflicts with your personal beliefs on cases like the death penalty or mm -hmm. abortion rights? Do you side with what your religion teaches you or do you follow what the law says? And the rule is all of these justices are like, I follow the law mm. and they just don't tell you. If and when their religion does it. But Amy Coney Barrett was a unique case here because as a professor of law at Notre Dame, I believe as a professor, um, she wrote a legal paper talking about how judges ought to deal with the death penalty because there's a conflict between the law and her Catholic faith. So we and have... yet no one when like Diane Feinstein was like asking her questions, she even said inarticulately, inartfully like the yeah. Diane Feinstein was an art fine The dogma lives, you know, within you, loudly within you. And people were like, how dare you attack her faith? And what that meant is during her Supreme Court nomination process, no one could touch on that. No one could ask yeah. her anything about this religion because it was deemed off limits by basically everybody. Because and we, we have, learned nothing. Oh, well, because this is all of a piece. This is all a part of if it is your religious or as we hear all the time when it comes to vaccinate vaccinations, right? Like uh, sincerely held beliefs. Then it's off limits. We cannot, it can't be adjudicated. Yeah, we can't adjudicate it. We cannot question it. And that to me is not how the world war and and it's one thing if you say it you know it, it's a matter of faith to me but you cannot then extend that and be like well i have faith that jesus is going to come save us in 10 years so we're going to ban abortions yeah. for now and the one of the things every judge <laughs> could simply say look that's a private religious belief it won't impact anything i do on the court mm -hmm. that's a fine answer just say that I mean, Sonia Sotomayor is Catholic. Guess yeah. what? It doesn't have anything to do with her decisions. Be because nobody, I, I think people really want to try to drive people, try, try to drive judges or whatever toward objectivity as if being an objective person is possible. <laughs> as if everything you do and experience and see in your life does not inform how you view the world. Like, that's the thing that I find very frustrating is like, Fine. If we want to have somebody on the court who uses their religion to dictate the things they believe, maybe that's no different than me using like my feminism or my natural distrust of men to like. And if so, nothing else, we should know that. Right. We should be aware. It's the okay. public needs to know that. It's okay if you say, here's my life and this is how I got to where I was going. Here's a case that was really influential. And so I think of things. I don't think of the immediate thing. I think of the aftermath or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like. It's but no okay. one could ask her about but it. But stand up for what you believe in. You can't just say what you want and then get away and then not have to ever justify it when you're a judge on the Supreme Court. Go ahead. So here's the issue with the people of praise. When she was nominated to the court and all all these media outlets began digging into, all right, who is this woman? What does she believe? What yeah. is this religion that no one knows about? Because it's a small cloistered group. Right. Like how small? Uh, we're talking like, I don't know, hundreds okay. total. And is it one location? There is a location okay. in where she lived and their family. Like, Which that's is... the thing. It's it's cultish. 
doesn't necessarily mean it's a cult. Yeah. Uh, but the question is like, well, the little bits and pieces we know about your relationship with this religion, uh-huh. it's not great. Um, I'll give you one example. Um, one of the things that came up in 2020, the Washington Post posted like, we found a 2010 directory of the members of the People of Praise. And it showed that Amy Coney Barrett served as a, quote, handmaid. That was the word they used, which was defined as basically a female mentor, which would be fine, I guess. But also you called it handmaid. But because no one inside uh, the group and no one outside of it wanted to talk about the religion, that's kind of what we had to base it off of. Little bits and pieces. The church even pulled down, like they have their membership magazine or whatever, mm-hmm. where they talk about whatever. They pulled it down as soon as she was nominated so no one could find out anything about these people. And they were like, we're trying to be secure, protect our people, but also, what the hell is this place? Okay, there's your background. This week, The Guardian found something interesting, which is they got court documents from like the 1990s when a woman was basically, uh, her and her husband were having like a, I don't know, divorce. 93. Amy Cohen Barrett was in diapers. Yeah. In 1993, a woman named Cynthia said, I don't want my five children to have visitation with their father because we're separated. Their father belongs to the people of praise. Oh. And she basically was in court saying, I don't want my kids to be around him for the following reasons. So it's a custody dispute that has nothing to do with Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. But the question that she has to answer for the judge is like, well, why don't you want your kids to be around their father? Mm-hmm. And she has to say, here's the reasons they are unsafe with him. So that's kind of what this is what was uncovered this week. Okay. The, this case, this these documents relating to this woman, here's what they said, among many things. They said that the founder of the People of Praise, his name is Kevin Ranigan. I'm probably sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. He has a wife named Dorothy. Those two kind of ran the house where a lot of members of the church lived in for short amounts of time. Then they got out. But among many things, uh, the woman who was filing the dispute, she said in the documents she had witnessed Dorothy, the wife, Mm -hmm. tie the arms and legs of two of their own daughters, who were three and five at the time, to their crib with a necktie. No. Like as a leash to hold them in. She said the couple allegedly practiced sexual displays in front of their children and other adults, such as, I'm quoting here, such as Dorothy Ranigan lying with her clothes on and rocking on top of Kevin Ranigan in their TV room. I think she means dry humping, like in That's front of the is. public. Yeah. So basically, she says that, like, I don't feel safe with my Ew, kids I'm in so their I'm so mad you just had to say religion. dry humping Sorry. on our podcast. Here's what else she said. She's in another affidavit that was filed in this case, supporting yeah. her claim that the kids should not live with their father. Another woman said, I lived with Kevin and Dorothy from 1973 to 1978 when I was a member of this religion, mm-hmm. and I have witnessed incidents of inappropriate sexual expression. Here's what this woman wrote in her statement. When I was part of the People of Praise, I was in full life submission to Kevin Ranigan, under full obedience to him, and he exercised this authority over most areas of my life. Mm. For example, we were in common financially, which meant that I had to hand over my paycheck to him and he would decide on how that paycheck would be used. Sure. He controlled my dating relationships, deciding who and when I should date. Mm. That was one affidavit against these this 
group. Another woman said in an affidavit she lived in their house, and at one point she was shocked to learn that Kevin, the founder, sometimes showered with two of his daughters who were 10 and 11 or 11 at the time. Oh, boy. And she also said that the wife said he stopped as soon as he was questioned about that practice. Like, did does that mean something happened? No, it doesn't, but it's weird. It is weird. It is very weird. Um, That's okay. old for that. So this is the story. This is what people were making a big deal about when it comes to Amy Coney Barrett. Because basically they're saying, so what's the connection between her and these people? Right? Because that's the only reason any of this is relevant today. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty relevant if people are uh, harassing young children or molesting young children. But, like, you know, you and I are different. (laughs) That we don't know. That is, there's no evidence of that. Of course. Here's the relevant part Amy Coney Barrett, who's, (laughs) when she was in law school, according to public records, Mm -hmm. she lived with Kevin and Dorothy in their home. Okay. And then two years later, she married her husband. Uh, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Tell me what year this was. Um, this was 95. Okay, so there's not children in this situation. No, no children. They said she lived with, with them when she went to law school at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. She um, two years later, she married her husband Jesse, who also lived in their household. This is from oh, the Guardian. Could you imagine? There is no indication. That Amy Coney Barrett lived in the house at a time when those children in the custody dispute were visiting, nor is there any proof that she witnessed any of the alleged behavior described in the documents. That's why I think this piece just rubbed me the wrong way. Because it's like, okay, so basically all you're saying is we know a lot of crazy shit about the couple that founded this religion. And maybe some of it is legit. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of this is a good reason to be like, "Mm, what's going on in this group? Amy Coney Barrett's connection is she lived with them for a couple of years and that's all you got. And maybe. Yeah, it's tenuous. So the questions that were raised are, well, did the husband, the founder of Mm -hmm. this group, did he have total control over who she dated? Did he control her paycheck? Honestly, I don't give a shit. Did she witness anything that was unlawful or illegal? There's no evidence of that. Of course, she's not commenting on this story. The court's not commenting on this story. The couple in question isn't really commenting other than to say, like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, boy. Do you think, though, it is worth exploring? And this is me Mm -hmm. just spitballing. This is not necessarily what I believe. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Do you think it's worth exploring that, like, okay, this person who is on our Supreme Court may have really fucked up ideas of what is what an appropriate relationship between a man and a woman is and that is certainly going to seep into how she rules like that's how she thinks it is talking about if she thinks she if she is part of a religion that thinks it is appropriate to do these things then that to me says something about her judgment and her worldview and right, these are what these these hearings are supposed to be of like, who are you as a human being? Mm-hmm. How do you decide the things you've decided? And yeah, the thing that I bothers don't think me. It's, yeah, I think you're right. I, it's obviously a hit piece. Not obviously a hit piece. I, I think it's obvi- it's stretching it, right? Like It is I, stretching it. It would have been interesting for some of the to, to discuss her religious views and how they impacted her life, if I mean, not her decisions. But also I would yeah, love for that like, to have come up two years ago instead of right now the question that people 
uh, have had as a result of the species. You're right. How is this going to impact her Roe v. Wade decision? But also, I don't God. think it makes a difference because... I mean, we know what she's going to vote anyway. Who gives a shit? So it's not like this particular family or incident or religion is going to change that. I should point I out the uh, spokesperson representing the couple's kids, the ones he was showering with and their mm-hmm. siblings, their spokesperson released a message saying we were insulted by false and misleading statements about our childhood relationships with our parents from decades ago. We are part of a loving family and bringing these preposterous claims up now is hurtful and irresponsible. Eh, no, you're important no, and we should know about them. I think um, that's a, I mean, I get where they're coming from, right? Like you don't want your shit dragged up in public. Yes. That's obviously very painful and terrible, but like To to pretend that Amy Coney Barrett is awful or might be awful or might be doing things because of this, to me, strikes me as a stretch. But also, this makes me matter about her confirmation hearings for the appellate court and for so much we don't know. Yes, because we know very little about her spiritual life, which clearly is a big part of her life. And we people were too afraid to ask her questions about it. And even the media was on board with that in terms of saying, yeah, this is off limits. Don't ask her about her faith. Ask her about her decisions. Guess what? It's the same thing. And we deserve to know where she's coming from, what her upbringing is like. Why did she make certain decisions about her faith? Because it goes into who you are as a person. And I'm not saying her religious faith should disqualify her. Of course it shouldn't. There are plenty of religious judges who do good things with inspired by their faith but again when you're coming from a religion people are unfamiliar with Mm -hmm. we should be able to ask questions about it um here's a totally different story just to change the subject for a second this is like a positive story of course it's not um there is a guy named uh william harrison who just earned his phd from a seminary nope wrong he died uh he did so he earned his phd (laughs) from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary a few months ago, which, fine, whatever, you do you. Um, He got his PhD in missiology, which is the study of basically missions, mission trips, things like that, which, again, Uh. fine, whatever. I don't know how seriously to take a PhD from a seminary in missions. I don't know how rigorous that is compared to, like, yeah real quote unquote i was like ooh, that seems so drilled down but like a friend of mine has like her phd is like uh, how jewish women were treated in medieval period so like yeah Yeah. we're gonna drill down to specifics on our phds right and listen phd is like here's my contribution to a very small world of knowledge right but i know everything about this specific world yeah so i'm gonna tell you about i mean fine good I'm not critiquing the PhD or, like, the research or anything. But here's what is concerning. Uh, Chris Rada, who works with the uh, Military Religious Freedom Foundation, she got a copy of his dissertation that he wrote to earn this PhD. Okay. Uh, It was in the public domain. She got a copy of it. And the title of it is The United States Military, A Field for Great Commission Fulfillment. And basically, what he's saying, this Wait, is a guy. what? This is a that's guy. That's a title? That's a title. He was salad. a army chaplain for about three decades. Okay. This is a guy who, like, went back, got his degree later in life, got his PhD later in life. He's retired now. But he was working on this dissertation in the final year he was working as an active duty military chaplain. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. 
What he's basically arguing in this dissertation is that we are Southern Baptists. This is a Southern Baptist school, a seminary. And he's saying one of the things Southern Baptists teach you, we talked about this a while back. They, they don't want to be called Southern Baptists anymore. They want to be known as Great Commission Baptists, because what is the Great Commission? It's the it's the Jesus rule Ooh, to go out and win converts everywhere. That is a terrible branding choice. It is a horrible branding oh, choice. Boy. Say it again. What, Wait. what he's saying, commission? though, Great Commission, Jesus what he's saying Christ. is that the United States military is a field for Great Commission fulfillment saying we can convert people using the military in the army army. and that's what his whole thing is about so some examples of what he says wow it's almost like i couldn't like the army less and yet (laughs) and yet here we are he's basically saying southern baptists ought to plant churches plant that's what they say Mm. plant churches that are reaching out to military Uh, members, service members. Here's what he wrote. Service members and their families are not only a field for the harvest in need of baptizing and teaching, but Christian Christian discipleship among this population can ignite new sparks in global gospel proclamation. Let me paraphrase that. Let me me restate that for you. If we can convert or bring a bunch of military soldiers, service people into our fold, mm. guess where? Guess what's going to happen? They're going to get deployed. Wife, they're they're going to get deployed in other countries where oh. they can evangelize to those brown people well, over because, there. Well, uh, because U.S. military famously has a really good and solid relationship with, like, native Middle Eastern citizens. Oh, yeah, totally. They talk a lot. They sit in circles. They discuss life philosophy. So, yeah, this is a great plan. I see this, no problems here. He went on to say, this strategic position for gospel ministry should be fully leveraged by the Southern Baptist Convention and its local churches through intentional education, training, and other support to disciple America's military families. Elsewhere in the thesis, he argued that Southern Baptists should work on, and I'm quoting here, planting biblically grounded churches near military installations so that they can later, quote, send these trained disciples on mission, equipped to carry the gospel with them when they move or deploy to the ends of the earth, which is a Bible phrase but basically, if you unchristianize what he's saying, it's let's work on converting as many members of the military to yeah, Christianity we're dipping. as much as we can. And here's how to do it. We're going to fuck up their economy and their brains. <laughs> because if we can get the military on board, not only do you get their families, you get the people that they're going to be like fighting or where they're living in other countries. Um, and again, I want to stress, this is not theoretical. This is a guy who was a chaplain for 30 years. This is a guy who was writing this dissertation when he was working for the military, which is the really disturbing part about Mm -hmm. this. And he also said, you guys, we need to work on getting more Southern Baptist chaplains, which, by the way, what does a chaplain do? It serves as a counselor. You don't if you're a Southern Baptist chaplain, it doesn't mean you convert the person in front of you who needs help. You're supposed to meet them with where they're at. Mm. And this is an argument a lot of atheists have made. Like there are plenty of atheists in the military in need of counseling. But they only have religious chaplains to yeah. choose from. Why can't we have humanist chaplains in the military? There are zero. Ooh, could I actually yeah. just pitch that instead of chaplains, we just have like mental health professionals? Agreed. So Southern Baptist chaplains, by the way, 
already convert twenty. Already, so I'm already are, fighting for a thing I don't want. I want a secular uh, chaplain, but I don't want chaplains at all. Yes, um, but there are humanist chaplains out there, and one tried actively to become a Navy chaplain, and the military's like, no, we don't want any humanist chaplains. There are still zero. It's a fight. But Southern Baptist chaplains are twenty eight percent of the chaplaincy, and that's the biggest constituency of chaplains and they're like we don't have enough we got that harrison said we need to flood the zone with more of his people uh to undo the work oh this is a phrase he used in his dissertation we need to undo the work of the quote non-christian chaplains that are confusing the masses within the military you know that muslim chaplain over there look at all the horrible things he's doing you guys i need more of us to undo that damage their existence is a threat so oh and by the way he also said if we get more churches near military installations uh we'll make enough money to make this worthwhile well obviously it's always a capitalist endeavor Uh um imagine if a muslim wrote this i these people I got one more story for you. With no, this, with not, the, within this. Thing. I have a, a, a rant that I think is about to start. I may lose steam. Mm-hmm. That's going to start with these people. May I, uh, I'm only going to speak for myself. I am going through one of the most challenging moments in my entire life. And it's so fucking impossible to watch these monsters do these kinds of things and pretend it's in the name of helping people. Um, I... I, I just think, like, the things that, like, I am obviously not a military fan. I also think that uh, America treats its sh- soldiers by, like, absolute shit. And by, I mean, obviously Republicans don't give a shit about, about them. But, like, when we think about the support that people need who are going to war overseas for, from what I can tell, no specific good reason... Maybe we should really focus on getting those people happy and healthy and back on their feet and, like, spread that sort of goodwill to the entire country. And when I see people like this who are using, who are the conservative ones, right? They're the the Blue Lives Matter guys. Those are the, you know, they are more concerned about spreading their their gospel and making money on their churches and like infecting the rest of the world with what they believe that it doesn't seem to care if people are getting the emotional or mental health care that they need. It seems like all they want to do is transform people into people who believe the same ways they do. And I don't know, maybe if you get into a job like that, maybe your goal should be helping the individual and not, pushing forward your that's what the chaplaincy is supposed to do like what are we doing here what do they think they're doing like i understand the idea of oh everybody's better with christianity and i get that that's like the alpha and the omega of it all but how is it when we're when a million people died in the last two years over with from covid and we're losing our rights and we're attacking queer people and children are being murdered in our schools and cops don't have the wherewithal to go into the school to save the kids. And they're still so fucking concerned about Christian nationalism and everybody should be a Christian. And the real problem with the world is gay people. No, the real problem in the world is 
white nationalists, it's men who think that everything, anything that anybody gets that they don't get is a threat to them. And that's what we're seeing. And that's why they're so concerned about like coding the world is because they're fighting a losing battle and they don't care about the people. They care about their, their meme, right? They care about their message. Mm -hmm. Um, to anyone who might say like, well, you're misinterpreting it because he's just saying like, let's be good people and people will come to religion, our religion. He's not saying that. Here's an example he gave. He gave an anecdote in the dissertation. And what he was basically saying is that a chaplain that he knew had to conduct a funeral for a Christian soldier who died in combat. And he was told that because of where they were in the world and because of the foreign dignitaries who are going to attend the funeral like keep it secular because there's a lot of non-christians attending the story went like this like the chaplain pushed back and he said he couldn't do that he couldn't in good conscience intentionally remove christ from a memorial service for another christian hold on hold on that's not the story that's not the story that's not the story it should be the story he said to the commanding officer i'm not going to remove christ from this service because he's a christian soldier and i'm a christian chaplain and i gotta do right by him so the commander basically hold on hold on hold on so the commander says to the chaplain he relents. He's like, fine, but if there are any consequences, it's your fault. I did my job. Okay, here's what Harrison, the guy who's writing this in the dissertation, here's what he said about this. He said, we can use that as a model. And here's what he wrote. Rather than temper the Christian nature of the service and the message, the chaplain, with a somewhat rebellious tendency, accentuated these elements for the memorial. Dot, dot, dot. Rather than taking offense, however, these foreign nationals ranged from those who quietly whispered their thankfulness for the message, as underground Christians, to Muslims asking about this God who sent his own son to die for the forgiveness of sins. And that Muslim was Albert Einstein. (laughs) Yes. So he said a greater abundance of such stories can exist when chaplains are fully trained and prepared for the pluralistic system that seeks to diminish the gospel. You're using a soldier's capital P pointless death to be like, oh my God, a brown guy smiled at my sermon. Go fuck yourself. These fucking people do not give a shit about humans. They do not give a shit about the people around them. Do you think I could get a PhD at a seminary? Because I feel like I could write this shit I'm easily. really hoping that if I keep, uh, if I get famous, I can get like an honorary PhD from Ball mm-hmm. State and not have to do any of the work. Nice. Um, but, uh, what did they he have for PhD? A PhD and he did this, as far as I could tell, he started the program and got his PhD within seven months which anyone who has an earned PhD you will tell you right now? that's not how it works. I'm texting Ross Blatcher <laughs> of Ona, Ross and Carrie, and I am telling him I know his next thing that he's doing. <laughs> Actually, should we do that? Should we totally, like, chomp no, off some no. of their flavor? I no. have... Have fun. Not to brag, I don't have a lot going on in my life right now. Maybe this is the project I need. I got one last story for you. I'll end on a happy sure. note. I'll end on a happy note. Look at me. Look at me on a happy note. Uh, you're not smiling or doing anything with your body or face that indicates do. that you're happy. That, uh, that's you just my, said the word happy four I times. I just have a resting, angry, cynical face. 
Poland, You're an which Android, is a I think. super religious, very like, Catholic, very Catholic. My husband's and family is run all from there by a government that is hyper conservative. Their version of the Boy Scouts, uh, I think in English it's called the Polish Scouting and Guiding Association. You think you just translated that, that off the top of your head? It's called the ZHP, <laughs> and there's no Z in the title. I think if my Polish is right, <laughs> I stole that from the Google Translate. But basically, they made a decision like their Boy Scouts are like the American Boy Scouts in which when you take an oath to the Boy Scouts, you have to say that you are going to serve God Mm. and Poland. But they made a decision recently that said, you know what? The God part part is optional. (gasps) You don't have to say it. Uh, I thought the Poland part was going to go out first. (laughs) No, no, no. Still nationalistic. But they said there'll be an alternative version for Scouts who don't believe or are questioning Mm. God. Um, that omits so the, the hyper-Catholic part. country, Poland, is doing better about religious freedom than the yeah, United States? Cool. Than the religious cool, cool, freedom cool, cool, country. Cool, 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 Yeah. And, of course, some people who are – they're, like, the organization's pastoral council, because they have that, and it pastoral consists of seven co- Catholic priests. Here's what they said about this change. Uh-huh. This is uh, – this can be perceived as discrimination consisting of open de-Christianization, which – over time will result in the atheization of members and not only moral but ideological conflicts yes um you were raising your hand this is a real controversial opinion but i think he's right <laughs> i no, I, i'm not doing a bit i think he's 100 percent right you think i think it'll that, lead to less christianity yeah i think that's i think as soon as you stop making religion mandatory yeah you find people do not adhere to it as strictly as they need, as you think they are going to. I think he's maybe, right. Maybe. I disagree with whether that's a good or bad thing, but I think it's the way I would phrase it. If I was making that statement, is I would say, well, maybe we're going to be a space for uh, kids who don't necessarily agree the exact, with the exact same things as us, but still want the opportunity to learn about nature and bond with other boys and and learn these skills that are going to carry them through their lives. The mission of the Scouts, according to their website, oh, yeah, I is guess I'm assuming to it's develop, kind of similar to the BSA. De- yes, very similar. Develop their fullest potential as responsible and active citizens. Fine. Good. You don't need God in that. And yet in the U.S. But I think in Poland, an active citizen is sort of don't you think they, they that's assume, their argument that yeah, an active assume, good like, citizen is someone who is religious I know how much of poland is catholic because i'm sure, guessing it's a it's ton a, it is a ton in fact like we've seen demographic studies that say like 70 percent of people in the uk identify with no religion in fact in poland sorry, what percentage did you say 70 seven zero under 30 in london 70 percent of people under oh, in 30 london. okay in, that tracks. in the uk i should say oh in the uk but, but in Poland, it's more like 20%. So even among their youth, it they're actually pretty religious. Oof, so 87% in 2013 uh-huh. of Poland was Catholic. Now, keep in mind what the U.S. And so the fact that they're saying God is optional, mm, that's a huge, huge deal. deal. In the U.S., think about what the Boy Scouts have done because they're dealing with sexual abuse allegations mm. and doing those payments. And also no one wants to be a But they're mostly worried about atheists invading yeah. their thing. They have said, we want to recruit, we want to recruit new members, which is fine. They have said, okay, well, back in the day, we will allow gay scouts. Then they said, we'll allow gay scout and masters. Mm. Then they said, we'll allow trans boys. Then we will allow girls because the things we are trying to promote. The girls are for thing everybody. was a big deal. Cause and they're yet, like, Oh God. Yeah. And yet, and I'm saying all of those are good changes. Mm. Despite all that, 
when people are like, well, can atheists join? And by atheists, I mean, like, Me? do they have to say, do they have to agree with the scout law, which says you have to be reverent? Do they have to take a scout oath that says the line, I will do my best to do my duty to God? Are they implementing Don't Ask, Don't Tell in Boy Scouts? Well, that's what it's been. <laughs> like, that's Unofficially, what that's what it's been okay. for years. But if you don't agree with the scout oath that says I will do my duty to God, then you don't get to be a scout. You can't be an Eagle Scout if you're openly atheist because you are openly not taking that oath or taking sure. anything. In the U.S., we haven't resolved this. Of all the things yeah. the Boy Scouts have done, that is something they will not change. And yet in Poland, so the, one funny. of the most Catholic countries in the world, with even its young people super Catholic, they're like, you know what? We'll make it optional. It's There's fine. something wild about the hill that people are willing to die on. <laughs> and like just seeing that across cultural context, it's very funny to me. Yeah. Like Poland is like, all right, guys, like fucking take it easy. We don't need everybody to be Catholic. And America's like, no, we love God in this country. Uh, the Catholic website, uh, Alatea, noted that the Scout Association in the UK, they introduced a secular option. Uh, of the oath in oh, 2013 yes. in Denmark and Sweden, you're only required to swear to uphold uh, scout law. Switzerland made it optional. And in Australia, it says you got to be true to your spiritual beliefs, whatever they are. <gasps> yeah. Australia, Basically you guys got that. Everyone else has made this change except the U S uh, can I, can I <laughs> substitute another pitch uh -huh. um, from the judge John Hodgman podcast, which okay. is very good. And uh, this last prom one is required listening. Can talk about it more in the bonus episode. They swear people in and say, so help you God or whatever yeah. is how they say it. So I think maybe if, if the Boy Scouts just said, like, I will, I pledge to uphold my oath to God or whatever, and just like, just add or whatever after any <laughs> mention of God or Jesus. And yes. I think that's going to give us the wiggle room we're all need. That covers it all. Yeah. I'm happy uh, with it. I think I'm good now. I don't want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I did have a story, but no. Ew, no. It. Can no, you just give done. me high level? Uh, she called critics of Christian nationalism uh, domestic terrorists. God, what a fucking cunt that girl is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She loves being wrong Stop about everything possible. <laughs> about everything possible are you ready i have such a long list okay, of right. topics go <clears throat> these bonus are topics episode. these are bonus episode topics one is comfort media one is romance novel heroines uh one is the kinsey scale <laughs> um and really? um top gun the movie what's a movie um, it is uh, a series of moving photos. You've seen the horse. You know when the train is going to come oh, out of the it. screen that at thing. you? Yeah. Um, I think that's it. The one I skipped some because I wrote half a word and I got, got distracted. I got a story, too. I it involves my car. Yo, here's the thing. I walked, So I'm at Heaven's house. Um, and I, first of all, I almost missed your house because the car that you have in the driveway has Colorado plates. And I was like, Heaven's <laughs> never left the state that I know of. Mm -hmm. And I walked in, I was like, what's going on with your car? And he's like, it's for the bonus episode, <laughs> which is like the most like fundamental podcaster bullshit you've ever done. We can't talk in real life. We can only <laughs> talk when we're being recorded. Me and you have a friendship that <laughs> is limited to microphone conversation. Surely if you took away all of our conversations that were not recorded, we've probably exchanged five words to each other. Yeah, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Um, all right, we'll see you in the bonus. You know where Wait, to no, find no. her. Where yeah, do you find you? Yeah, uh, Jess Blumke on Twitter, Hemant Meta on Twitter, uh, friendlyanthespodcast at gmail.com, patreon.com slash friendlyanthespodcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.